0: by faith to hear heaven's anthem ring as we worship you and listen to your word together this morning. Help us to remember that we, we meet together now with a great multitude in heaven who are praising you um, of redeemed humanity and angels and heavenly creatures that we here in Cardiff this morning or wherever we may be as we meet together on Zoom are worshipping you with that throng. Help us to hear heaven's anthem ring, to hear that song of heaven this morning and have it affect our hearts, we pray. And we ask this for the the sake of Jesus' name, for his glory, and for his fame, Father. Amen. So uh, that's really the theme of what we're going to look at this morning, what we've just been singing about, the the song of heaven. If you look at chapter 15 of Revelation, verse 2, is that verse in particular that is uh, the verse that has grabbed me this past week, and that we're going to be thinking about, or rather thinking about the verse and sort of stepping back and looking at the big picture of Revelation and the Bible and asking how that verse fits. Never fear, the other stuff, then in the, the two chapters that we don't, I would, don't cover this morning, we will try and cover in the podcast and send you questions in as well. But verse 2 is our focus in particular this morning. Let me just read it to you. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. So actually first 2 in the first part of verse 3 we're looking at. They sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. What I want to do to start with Uh, is just start by reminding you of a story from Israel's history, and as I do that, remind you of the highlights of that story, be looking at chapter 15 of chapter 16 of Revelation, scanning through and asking what similarities are there between this Old Testament account and what we see here in Revelation 15 and 16. Uh, This story in the Old Testament, this true story, possibly the Probably the key event from Israel's history, the most important and famous event from their history, took place 1,500 years before John wrote these words down on the island of Patmos. What happened was that the people of Israel had been in Egypt for centuries, and they'd become enslaved. They'd become slaves. They were oppressed. But God had promised to set them free. And as part of that freedom plan, God had called this man, called Moses, born in Egypt, brought up by Pharaoh's daughter. He had called Moses to confront Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, who was holding the people of Israel captive. He confronted Pharaoh and told Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go, and Pharaoh refused. So in response to Pharaoh's hardness of heart, As Pharaoh hardened his own heart, God sent plague upon plague against Egypt. And every time it looked like Pharaoh was going to let the people go, his heart stayed hardened and he turned around and said to Moses, no, the people cannot leave. They cannot go. They must remain here. But eventually, through the last and the worst plague of all, which was the death of the firstborn, God set Israel free. And as the plague of the firstborn began in Egypt, and as the angel of death swept through Egypt, so that the firstborn in each family died, God kept the firstborn in the Israelite families safe by providing a Passover lamb. What, what happened was that the people of Israel, were each household, were to take a lamb and slaughter it, and the blood of the lamb had to be put on the doorposts of that Israelite home, And when the blood was on the doorpost, the angel of death passed by so that the firstborn in that house was kept safe. And so the people of Israel escaped slavery in Egypt through this plague of the firstborn and through the the, the blood of that Passover lamb, they escaped Egypt. Having left Egypt, they got to the Red Sea and I'm guessing most of you know the story really well, but in case you don't, when they got to the Red Sea, with Pharaoh's army behind them, with no way of escape, God conquered that sea and parted that sea, and the people of Israel went safely through the Red Sea, only for the Red Sea to close again over Pharaoh's armies as Pharaoh's armies pursued the people of Israel. And now the people of Israel were free in the wilderness, yes, but in the wilderness on their way to a place called the promised land. The place that God had promised them would be their home. That's the story of the Exodus. And you can read it in the book of Exodus in your Old Testaments. That is the most famous event probably in the history of the people of Israel. And that's the event that is alluded to in verses 2 and 3 in particular of chapter 15 of Revelation and in other parts of the passage too and other parts of Revelation too. but did you hear the connections? Do you see the connections between the Exodus event and what you've got here in Revelation 15 and 16? Because it's key to grasping this next cycle of visions. We've been saying on our journey through Revelation that in each new cycle of visions, the whole church age is pictured, culminating in the day of judgment, and something new is added to the picture to show us vital truth, to show the suffering church how they can hold on to Jesus. And these connections help us understand what this passage is about. I just want to draw out three parallels this morning between these Exodus events in the Old Testament and the situation that John's readers faced and the situation that we face as God's people today. I think uh, Steph's going to have some great, thanks Steph, some slides up for us. And the first point we're going to see is this. In the Exodus account in the Old Testament, God saved his people from the plague of judgment by the death of a Passover lamb. The the plagues in Egypt showed that God was angry with Pharaoh and with Egypt. And we've been seeing in in the book of Revelation, in the seven seals and the seven trumpets, and now in chapter 16, when you get to the seven bowls, that we also live in a day where the people, all people, are under the judgment of God for rebelling against God. In every age this is true. A world that hates God is under God's judgment, just as Egypt was under God's judgment in the book of Exodus. And these chapter 16 of Revelation bowl plagues are described in chapter 15 as the last plagues. They're described as completing God's wrath. And they're the last plagues, and they complete God's wrath in the sense that they emphasize that there's a coming day of judgment. But also, these chapter 16 of Revelation plagues represent the finality of judgment that individuals face. Individuals like you and me, when, like Pharaoh in Exodus, they harden their hearts in the face of God's power And refuse to take the chance to repent and trust God. So when a a human being faces death, whether the the, the plague that has brought death is is a, a disease or old age or a car accident or a plane crash or whatever it might be, that plague, so to speak, is final and brings God's wrath to an end. Because when someone dies, and passes into eternity, the only thing left them is for them to then is for them to face the wrath and the judgment of God. There are no second chances after death. And these chapter 16 plagues remind us that the things that go on in this life and the sufferings we see, they can be final plagues of judgment if someone dies in their sin, having not turned to God and believed in God and believed in Jesus. It is an opportune time for me to, to say to us all that we need to make sure that we don't die in that state, that we have trusted in God's provision, in God's salvation, in God's lamb. It's no, it's, it's no um, coincidence that the, the lamb is the, the title used of Jesus more than any other title in the book of Revelation. God has provided the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb in the person of Jesus, so that when someone trusts in him, Though they may suffer through things in this life, they know that they've escaped judgment and they've escaped wrath, like the people of Israel escaped Egypt. See, God's people were no more deserving of escape from God's wrath than the Egyptians were. But the difference is that God's people were provided with a lamb. They trusted in the blood of the Passover lamb. They were safe because of the blood of the Passover lamb. And so Christians may suffer alongside the world in its plagues and disasters, And God's church may be persecuted, but we are safe from the wrath of God because of what God has done. Just as was true of the the Old Testament people of God in the book of, of Exodus. But that's the first point I wanted to make. God saved his people from the plague of judgment by the death of the Passover lamb. And they were free. And we as God's people are trusting in Jesus, whatever it may feel like during this past year whatever appearances may be we are free and we are free because we've been set free from the plague of judgment by the death of the passover lamb not the passover lamb of the old testament but the passover lamb that this was all pointing to the lord jesus in his death on the cross that's the first parallel that we see and the second parallel is this the people I, i should say moses you can read this in exodus 15 by by the way moses miriam And the the people of God who'd been set free, after their escape, sang their freedom song on the shore of the Red Sea. You can read this, as I say, in Exodus 15. Um, There's one verse in particular that really jumps out of it, which sounds very similar to some of the words in Revelation 15, where Moses and the people sing these words, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. Chapter 15 of Revelation doesn't exactly follow chapter 15 of Exodus. In fact, chapter 15 of Revelation pinches ideas and verses from across the Old Testament, but to do the same thing, to worship God in song for being set free. The people of Israel, once they passed through the Red Sea and the Red Sea closed over Pharaoh's army, They stood and they sang their songs. The sea in Exodus, the sea in the Old Testament, and actually the sea in the book of Revelation, symbolizes a place of turmoil and restless evil and the evil of the nations. But what happened in the Exodus was that God conquered and parted the Red Sea for Israel. And they passed on through. And in chapter 15 of Revelation, and actually back in chapter 4 of Revelation, we read this too, The sea is now transformed symbolically into a sea of glass. In chapter 4 of Revelation, we read this. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And then when we get to chapter 15 of Revelation, we read in verse 2, I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and they sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. See, the sea now in Revelation has been transformed into a crystal sea on which God's redeemed people stand in the glorious presence of God. When, in verse 5 of chapter 15 of Revelation, we see the temple and the tabernacle referred to, that's just another image for God's presence. God's glorious presence being where God is and seeing him in all his glory And that's where the people of Revelation 15 stand as they sing this freedom song, this Exodus song. So again, do you see the parallel? Back in Exodus, when they passed through the Red Sea, they stood on the shore of the sea and they sang their freedom songs, worshipping God for what he'd done. In Revelation chapter 15, that image now becomes God's people in heaven, in the presence of God, worshipping God, for the exodus that he has brought them through, for the freedom that he has brought them. But this time, the exodus, the freedom that he's brought them, isn't just freedom from a place where they're enslaved, but freedom from sin and from death. We have been set free, God's people, and we are called and set free to sing these freedom songs. I love the picture here that the the sea of glass is crystal with fire through it, It's almost like the sea now has become like the, the floor of heaven and the ceiling of the earth. And the fire in it is the fire of God's holiness and judgment. But there, by this crystal sea, in the presence of God, those who have died in Jesus stand and sing because they are free. What this means, very concrete terms, is that the people you have known and loved, who have trusted in Jesus, are doing this right now. They are stood in the glorious, beautiful presence of the real and almighty God, and they are worshipping him and praising him that he has set them free through the blood of the Passover lamb, Jesus. That's what this means. This also means, and the reason it's here, is to give John's readers and us a foretaste Of what we will one day do before long. You know, one of the themes I've heard again and again and again over the last months has been how much you are longing to be back together with the whole Bridge Church singing songs of praise to our God and Father and King. And what this passage shows us is that is a biblical longing that is built into us as God's people. We are the church, by definition, an assembly, a gathering of people who have been saved and freed by the death of Jesus, the Passover lamb, to worship and sing the praises of God, to sing the new song of Revelation. I don't know if you've noticed, but this has come up a few times in Revelation now, when we see the throne who throne room vision, um, in chapter 5 of Revelation, we read this in verse 9, that those there in heaven sang a new song to the Lamb. And then back in chapter 14, do you remember this from last time? We read this, chapter 14, verse 3, looking at the 144,000 in heaven with God, and they sang a new song before the throne. But then in chapter 15, it's called the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. This is an old new song. It's a new song because it's a song celebrating what God has done in Jesus. But in another sense, it's an old song, the old, old story, pointing back to the Old Testament and what God did there. When he set his people free from Egypt, it was pointing forward to what Jesus would do on the cross to set his people free. And it's showing that we as God's people are redeemed and set free to sing our worship songs believers in heaven who have died are doing that this morning and when we sing our worship songs we are joining with them and we will do it around the throne in the very presence of God one day this song is as old as the universe and older because this was planned before the foundation of the world remember but this song is ever new in Jesus who died and lives forever so what I want you to do God's people in the bridge today And what I need to do is is to take that longing that we have to meet together back in the school or wherever, to sing our worship songs together, take that longing and then multiply that by infinity. And look beyond that day when we're going to be back in the school singing our worship songs together and look beyond it to the day of Jesus Christ when he returns. And we will all then be in God's presence singing our Exodus songs, our freedom songs, to the glory of God, and to the glory of the land. We need to sing more. We are made as God's people to sing. We are meant to keep on singing. Listen to these words from uh, Psalm 98, verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Why? For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. All the way through the Bible, this is what we see, that we as God's people in Christ are a people saved to worship God. And part of that worship is singing. We are made to sing. Can I ask you, Bridge Church people this morning, have you stopped singing? You know, because you're fed up with being at home singing with a mute on on Zoom in your living room. Because you're limited maybe to singing your, your worship songs in the car though you probably don't get to drive anywhere much these days either. You know, have you stopped singing? Are you not singing much? I know I've been suffering from this in recent months. Listen, we are made to sing. Don't stop singing. If you stop singing, start again, because it's practice. I think they, I think Steph can show us a quote that I've got from John Newton that I just just happened to come across yesterday. I hope we can get the, this, the quote up on screen because I can't actually remember it word for word. Um, There you go. We, John Newton said, uh, John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace, we are now at school in this world learning to sing the song of redeeming love and before long we shall be translated to sing it before the throne. What we do today is practice for glory. We must be a singing people. We've been saved to be a singing people. You and I will sing our sweet Exodus songs together forever in the sparkling presence of God, the God who has rescued us. Christian, you've been set free. So sing and don't give up. The third point is this. I draw to a close with this. God saved and freed his people in order to lead them through the wilderness to the promised land. We're stepping a little bit away from chapter 15 of Revelation now and looking at the whole of revelation and the themes of the exodus keep running through it and the themes of what's promised to us as god's people keep running through it and this is the picture we see in the bible in the new testament the talk of the the promised land as such dries up and instead what we start to hear is talk of a heavenly city a better country what revelation calls the new heaven and the new earth you see we like israel are free but we are also in the wilderness, just like the people of Israel were. They, they were set free from Egypt, but they were still in the wilderness until they got to the promised land. You know, we've, we've seen this imagery previously in Revelation chapter 12 when Tom Hawkins spoke to us. We saw that the people are pictured there as being in the wilderness, the people of God, the church. We're in the wilderness. We're free, but we're not in the promised land yet. This is the picture that keeps being presented in Revelation, and is presented in Revelation 15. We're, we're God's people set free, but still traveling through the wilderness. What this means is that we have joy now, but we haven't got perfect joy yet. It means we've been spiritually healed, but we're looking forward to the day when we know total spiritual healing. It means that we've we know what it is to have God's rest and God's peace and God's shalom now, But total rest comes when we get to the promised land of the new heaven, and the new earth, when we're in the presence of God. We are headed as God's people for the promised land, the new heavens and the new earth, when the true temple or tabernacle of heaven and earth will one day be rejoined again like they were at the beginning. Eden, the Garden of Eden will be renewed, and yet it will be even more glorious than that. And this better country, this new heavens and earth, this promised land, is just that. It's promised. Christian, you will get there. As you follow the Lamb, to use those words we saw last last week, Christians are those who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. When you follow the Lamb who died to set you free from sin and death, from the Egypt of sin and death, you know that this is your goal. This is your end. This is the meaning to your life the true promised land of the new heavens and the new earth you are united to jesus by faith and jesus is there and so you are going to get there listen christians of the bridge your promised land is not things getting back to normal in the uk all i seem to be thinking about and talking about with people and doing it myself is just talking about when the vaccine starts doing its job and when The spring comes on and when X, Y and Z happen, we'll eventually get back to normal. And boy, we can't wait to get back to normal. It'll be wonderful, won't it? But listen, normal is not the promised land. Let's not settle for once the schools and shops are reopened and we can go on our holidays and we can mix with crowds again. Let's not settle for that and think, great, we've arrived. We haven't arrived. We're still in the wilderness. We've been set free, but we're not in the promised land yet. The promised land is the heavenly city come to earth. The promised land is us in resurrection bodies singing our Exodus songs forever in the presence of God. And this hope is ours in Jesus. And if you don't have this sure and certain hope yet, you can have this sure and certain hope by putting your trust and your faith in Jesus this morning. The Passover lamb who died to take away your sin and set you free from the Egypt of sin and death. That's the promised land, being with Jesus in the new creation. Not normal things being restored. You know, like Old Testament Israel, we are at times tempted, aren't we, to think that it would be easier back in Egypt, so to speak. It would be easier sometimes if we didn't live for Jesus and try to follow Jesus. Sometimes we wonder if it's worth the slog through the wilderness and the the battles that we face. Sometimes we might even wonder if the promised land of the new heavens and the new earth is a figment of our imagination or a a mirage. Revelation 15 says it's real and it's coming. Christian, look up, look ahead and keep following Jesus the Lamb wherever he goes, because this is your hope. This is your future the promised land of glory. John's readers desperately needed this, didn't they, as they were under persecution in Domitian's the day. They needed this glimpse into their own future. They needed this oasis in the desert. You know, re- Revelation's quite unrelenting in the picture it shows of judgment on this earth, but, but Jesus keeps giving John and the people these little glimpses, the little oases, these little breaks, showing them, giving them glimpses of the future they have to look forward to these pointers to the journey's end and Jesus is doing the same thing for us this morning in chapter 15 and 16 of Revelation he's giving us an oasis a break a pause a glimpse to the promised land that we can look forward to that we know we will be in one day we can know that as a certainty in Jesus and you know that's what communion is after we've sung in a moment we're going to be taking communion together as dave leads us and communion is an opportunity to pause in the trials and the storms and the plagues of life to stop and pause and eat this meal and remember what it points forward to it points back to jesus death on the cross which won our freedom for us and it points forward to the fullness of our joy and the fullness of our blessings in the promised land we're going to sing in just a moment and we're going to sing these wonderful words from the song, I Will Sing the Wondrous Story. Listen to these words from the last verse. He will keep me till the river rolls its waters at my feet. Then he'll bear me safely over, made by grace for glory meet. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea. This is our hope in Jesus. Let's. I, I want to... I want to hear you singing this song on mute this morning. I need to be singing this out. We're we're saved to be a singing, freed community. Let's sing this hymn. Let's sing that verse and let's believe it's true as we look forward to the promised land gathered by the crystal sea, singing our worship songs to Jesus. Let's sing together.